I would see him again. I'd be like, oh, this dude, he's pretty funny. And then like on the third show, he, he was like, he was drinking like this much whiskey before he went up. And I was like, what's going on? He was like, that's how I do it, man. And I was like, oh, this dude's out of his mind. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't put it together at first. Oh, I thought people were going to be stars until I like got a ride in their car. Uh-huh. And you're like, no, man, you're not going to make it anywhere. <laughs> like, this is a disaster. Uh- <laughs> 100%. <laughs> My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, more like, wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. We use Mint Mobile at the office, and we have been saving so much money since switching over, and setting up on Mint Mobile's website was super easy. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash bears. That's mintmobile.com slash bears. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash bears. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three months plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Anthony Jesselnick, cancel culture. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts? How does it, what can we do? How can we move forward? I think just everyone needs to know that comedians can say whatever they want, whenever they want, even if it's not funny and you can never get mad or be sensitive because we're not sensitive and we're sensitive about that. Agreed. (laughs) Topic over. We are sensitive little babies though, I think. Of course. At at, At the end of the day when people are like, you know, especially talk to somebody who, doesn't work in comedy or something they start asking you questions ultimately i'll be like yeah we're we're pretty we're pretty sensitive you know we are but you just i mean you learn how to handle yes certain things you know like if you tell a joke and the joke bombs like it hurts a little bit you Mm -hmm. know i mean that's part of the game yeah but when you're complaining about it all the time it's like why are you doing this yeah no it's like a football player like they get beat up during the season sometimes they'll talk about it but if after every game you were like man that guy hurt me so much when he hit me in the arm <laughs> like oh like it's just like why, why do you sound like this yeah i totally agree and i i gotta say like jokes bombing sucks but i don't feel like i ever i don't really go like oh man you know i usually hate myself for the joke bombing Oh, you of know? course. Like, you blame like, yourself. Yeah, I'm like, oh, fuck. Why can't I figure this out? Dude, I've been so excited about a new joke. Like, this is going to be... And then it just... It's like crickets where you're like, oh, I was so wrong. It's embarrassing. I think every time I've ever been like, this is the shit that I'm about, like, I'll, I'll be like so excited. That never goes well. It's only the one where I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of thought of this. Or it's just like literally coming out without a plan. And like everybody... And you're like, that. that's the one? Like, oh, I know when it's like halfway out of my mouth. Yeah, what, what's gonna happen? Yeah, like, I'll, it, it, on the pa- on paper it looks great, but reading it out, you're just like, oh no, this is this was a huge mistake. But you have to make those mistakes. Yeah, if every new joke you try kills. You're not working hard enough. No, no. I mean, I also feel like I have a thing where if I get real excited about a really specific word choice, like I'm going to say, like you know, this is the structure of the sentence. And I get married to like, I, I romanticize the sentence. I'm like, oh, it's just like, it's, 
it's like a sophisticated way of saying this that always eats shit for mm -hmm. me. like you know i'm like i'm i feel like i've written like great literature to say to them and then it just nothing yeah yeah, yeah you just you completely screwed it up from the get-go yeah and, and and it's funny to me that 20 years in I could still be so, so wrong. So wrong. Like your instincts are just completely, completely wrong. I have things tonight that are completely, completely new and I have anxiety, you know, which I, which I like because I, I know it's like, it's familiar. I go, oh, this mm -hmm. means that I'm trying something that this could go poorly. Yeah. And that's the good feeling. You go, this could go poorly. It might go great. Um, but like, I, I'm already nervous about it. Oh, I got a dog during the pandemic, like to get me through it. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm like, man, this dog is going to write me a new hour. Like, <laughs> everything about this dog is great. And like, I can't wait that people are going to want to hear about this dog and no one gives a flying fuck about my dog. Yeah. Like, like, I got a dog. Like, people got dogs, man. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, I'm like, this <laughs> one's from Korea. And they're like, mm -hmm. like, we don't even believe you. Like, we don't think, not only do we not think this is funny, we don't believe you. Yeah. I like right now, I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe that the dog's from Korea. No. I think you made that shit up. Yeah, people you have know. a way of of saying things where it actually does feel like you could be making it up all the time. No, I get. Are you serious? Yeah. a lot. Yeah, a lot. It's your. I, it's the look and the delivery of it where you could be like, "Of course, I'm fucking." I'm like, "All right, I didn't know you didn't get a dog from Korea." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's made up. I've had to go the other way too with it. Like, are you serious? I'm like, no. And then like, oh, why, I don't, why are you doing this to me? Why? Why are you putting me through this? Yeah. <laughs> I love. I love walking people into like misinformation purposely though it's fun like in conversations yeah. I, I enjoy it but i kind of i call it like the nate bargatze approach where you're not malicious you just it's a yes or no thing yeah you know if someone's like hey is it true that you don't have to wear face masks anymore like yes yeah and they're just like i wouldn't tell someone hey man i heard oh, on the right. news right. covid's over you can just go do whatever you want but if right. someone asks them dumb, a dumb question just give a dumb answer and yeah. then watch them watch fall them be apart. like okay yeah yeah, yeah. And Nate, you referenced Nate because he's so good at the, what, the deadpan answer? I think he's just talked about, like, his favorite form of prank is just that, like, he told me a story once about, like, being on the road with Kurt Metzger. Mm -hmm. And Kurt Metzger pulled out, like, a thing, like, out of the hotel uh, shower, like, a thing of conditioner. Maybe I'm telling the story wrong. But it was, like, the conditioner. He's like, is this body lotion? And his prank was just to go, Yes. And so he just smears conditioner all over his chest and they have to go do two shows where the whole time Metzger's like, what the fuck? And Nate's just dying laughing. He's like, it's conditioner, man. Yeah. He didn't yeah. do anything mean. He just right. like didn't he just help yes. you out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great one. Yeah. Have you heard Bert's theory that Nate's a lot like Hitler? No, but I would believe it because of, the, I mean, because of the hating Jews thing. Well, <laughs> that's just the first layer. Okay. Uh, Bert's theory is that he goes, have I told you how Hitler and Nate Bargatze are a lot alike? And I was like, I'm listening. And he said, you know, Hitler ran, took over Germany, but he was Austrian. I was like, okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Nate Bargatze didn't go to Vanderbilt, but he's a huge fan. Way too big a fan. Yeah, and that—that's the similarity. That's all. That's all he had. That's what he had. Yeah. That, I guarantee Bert like just found out about the uh, Austria thing and was like just went oh. down a rabbit hole and that was as far as he could get. He likes to say, "I'm obsessed with history now," and you're like, "You saw ten minutes on the fucking History <laughs> Channel?" And he's like, "Yeah," and he thinks he's like a history buff now because he literally watched the clip. He's like, yeah. "Did you know Hitler was from Austria?" Like, yeah, a lot of people know that man. Yeah, yeah. weird choice for a best friend, man. Weird choice. Weird. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Doing great. He's doing great. When, I, when you invited me to this, I was like, people are going to be either psyched or furious. They're psyched. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've been I've been a guest on a lot of podcasts where people are mad. Why? Because they they'll just they I think they don't know who I am or get why I'm funny or mm-hmm. why I do really what I do. Like I get a lot of like this guy's so fucking arrogant. It's like yep, like yep. Like I did Bobby Lee's podcast. And people are like, this is bullshit. He's not giving Bobby like the courtesy laughs he needs to get going. And I'm like, I'm not going to give anyone courtesy laughs. There's uh, yeah. no way. I've known you long enough to know that that's a reality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, we were doing shows together in 2002 or three. Yeah, we started together. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do like uh, bringer shows, you know. And Comedy like the, Union. Comedy Union yeah. with the uh, Enns. That was his name. Enns was the owner. Yes. You remember that? Yeah. And... um. Yeah, like these weird, like where I would, I would always know like, like oh, okay, this is going to be good when you were on the show. Because mm-hmm. I would see people, I'd be like, this guy's homeless, this guy sucks, you know, and then I'd see, oh, yeah, Anthony's on the show. Big yeah, show. it was so hard to find the people, because in the beginning, you think everyone's going to make it. Yeah. Like we're all on our way up, we have our different paths, but then you mm-hmm. start to realize there's like a couple of people, a couple of gems, and yeah, one of those it. guys for me that I was like, this guy is going to go as far as he wants to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm still surprised that you've gotten to this level. Yeah. For sure. But, for sure. Uh, Me but too. I knew, uh, I knew, <laughs> Me too. I knew you were like not a crazy person. Yeah. That was the thing is that you would, there, I remember like sometimes you'd, you'd see somebody and you're like, that guy's pretty funny. And then, I don't know, maybe like the, a couple months later you see him on and it hits you like, oh, this guy's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't know that at first. Yeah. You know, there's one guy, for, I don't remember his name, that he did, he had like a really funny, like aggressive rant style. And then, I would see him again. I'd be like, oh, this dude, he's pretty funny. And then like on the third show, he, he was like, he was drinking like this much whiskey before he went up. And I was like, what's going on? He was like, that's how I do it, man. And I was like, oh, this dude's out of his mind. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't put it together at first. Oh, I thought people were going to be stars until I like got a ride in their car. Uh-huh. And you're like, no, man, you're not going to make it anywhere. <laughs> like, this is a disaster. Uh, <laughs> you ever see like somebody who so neglects just the inside of their car like to where there's actual trash and then you're like oh this is how you drive around i i don't know what's going on in there Mm -hmm. but it's got to be exactly a complete train wreck if you don't have the wherewithal to take the garbage out of the front and put it all in the back then and you and you invite me to sit shotgun then like something's off upstairs i got i got it's not that hard into one one time where it was like i looked down and it was just piles it was the most filthy I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it looked like a hoarder. And then you look in the back and a car seat. And I was like, dude. He's like, ah, you know, he's like, I got to get it. And they do something like casual, like, yeah, I got to get this cleaned up. Like you would if you had like, you know, a little bit of like leaves on the ground. You're like, yeah, yeah you, no, you need to burn this car, man. You yeah. need to set this car on fire. That, but that, to tell, hearing that just makes me want to get a baby seat for the back of my car. and just have it in there. <laughs> And have like a baby doll and just like lock it up out in the sun and then just wait. <laughs> like do one of those pranks where they put the baby seat on the roof of the car. That jackass, that's the funniest thing jackass ever did. Yeah. Was, was drive off out of, the, out of the mall with the baby seat on top. Baby seat. So funny. I mean, seeing the real genuine panic on people. Or they also had the one that I loved where um, the guy, uh, the guy has somebody in the trunk, but like on purpose. Yeah. And the trunk pops and the person's like, mm, and they're all tied up. And you see people, and it's also like interesting to see people who are like, oh, 
Yeah. Anyway, like I mean, that's how I would be in LA. Yeah, that's but, how you would be. You'd be like they must be filming a prank show or yeah. something. I remember as a kid watching HBO and they would have random prank shows from like around the world. Mm -hmm. And there was one where like even thinking about it today, it makes me laugh so hard that they had the balls to do this where somebody would walk up holding a briefcase mm -hmm. in the middle of a crowded street, drop it and then take off running. Uh -huh. And everyone thinks it's a bomb uh -huh. and they all scatter Where and was run this? away. In, it was on some prank show in, I don't know what country it was uh, in. Because Japan was, does the wildest shit. It may have been Japanese. Yeah. It may have been just one of those European countries where this was happening a lot. Eastern but European like, countries. But to make people <laughs> yeah. think they're about to yeah. die in a bomb yeah. is not a good Dude, prank. there's a Japanese prank show that I saw. I was, I used to watch these and cry because all their shows are absolutely insane. Like Me. what flies in Japan is so crazy. And they have... They had this prank show where they, they walked like a couple into, I think it was like, look at this apartment, right? So like a real estate thing. And then they had like, like special effects guns shooting into the apartment and like glass shattering and, and people screaming and they're like, ah, like total panic. And they're covering them like, stay on the ground, like screaming, crying. And then they're like, it was just a joke. <laughs> People were fully fucking panicked. You must not be allowed to sue anyone in Japan. I, I think I, it can't be, man. There was one I saw where the guy's just walking down the hallway and they must have like known there were like pranks going on. So they're just like, they're kind of okay. But like they, the floor falls out and he falls into water, but it's boiling hot water. So the guy's desperately trying to get out, like no laugh. Everyone's trying to laugh and he's just like, like survival getting out of it and just mad at everyone. Doesn't want to look at anybody. And I'm like, who thought of this? Yeah. Why not cold water? Right. Cold water would have done the same job right. and then everyone's Shocked laughing. Shocked them, yeah. Yeah. The hot water, he's got boils and shit now. <laughs> I knew a, a girl when I first started doing stand-up who had been on a prank show that never aired. It was like a pilot. And when, one of the pranks is they would be in like a, like a Motel 6, like a cheesy motel. And it looked like they were doing surgery on her. She's like in makeup where she's like half naked on the bed and they're pulling out organs like black market shit. And they would order pizzas. And then try to get the delivery guy in and close the door and have them freak out. And one guy sees this and dives through the window, dives out the window, out onto like the balcony, completely just destroys himself. He's all cut up, but he was, he was an illegal immigrant and they could not get him to go to the hospital. They're like, we'll pay for all of this. We'll take care of you. And he was like, no, no, no. Fought for an hour. They like put bandages on him and he left. And they ended the show. They're like, we can't do any more pranks. Like, this God. is terrible. Yeah. And I mean, those people need to stay in their country, man. It's like, if you're going <laughs> to... If you don't have a good sense of humor, humor, don't come here. Don't come here. You know what I mean? We're just fucking around, man. Yeah. <laughs> just... God. We're just pranking around. <laughs> yeah. You know? Why are you being such a dick about it, man? We pay better for our pranks. We totally do. But I'm telling you, man, in Japan, it, it would be interesting to figure out like how they get away. Like even that one that I saw that I was telling you about, that is so traumatizing. <laughs> you know what I mean? To like, to have like the glass shattering and they yeah. had like, it looked like there's bullets whole, you know, like, like you see in a movie and these people were like absolutely screaming for their lives. And then they're like, ha ha. Yeah. It's PTSD for, <laughs> you, you're not getting over that anytime soon. You're never going to go look at an apartment again. <laughs> but something about like, just like America is so litigious. Yes. I remember being, going to Germany when I was 18 with a bunch of friends and going to a water slide park. Mm -hmm. And in America, there's a lifeguard every five feet. Yeah. You know, there's like two up at the top. There's some at the bottom. Like you do anything, you're getting a whistle. There was one lifeguard for the entire water park in the middle. 
So like we were just eight guys diving down a slide together. When you hit the bottom, you just like it's a pile up, and you're all just like laying there Whoa. groaning. Yeah, and they'd be like, guys, please don't do that. Like and this they is just where? don't. This is in Germany. Yeah, they just they don't sue the way people sue here, and you can pull off anything. I wonder why that evolved. Why why it became such a litigious, you know, like why? I mean, because famously, every time I think of like us being a, a crazy country with that, I always think of that McDonald's store. You know, it was yeah. so famous. The the person burned themselves, and then they're like, "I'm suing McDonald's." For but that was me. a severe burn. But wasn't it like you? They just a severe burn of super hot coffee no it was like they made their coffee way hotter than any coffee oh, ever okay. is and they ended up like the amount seems insane but it was actually just the amount of money a mcdonald's made in coffee for one day really like it wasn't that much money like mcdonald's deserved to do more than what they so they had and they burned the fuck out of this person oh i mean beyond third degree like really? major surgeries yeah and they've been getting complaints for years the coffee was too hot it was just how they decided to make it but yeah, it was like you couldn't drink this coffee for an hour after you got it. Like God it would, damn. That, that lawsuit's more legit than you think. But like in Russia, the way uh -huh. they have dash cam videos, it's because people were jumping in front of cars to try to get money, uh -huh. to try to get insurance money. So it's like, I'll put this dash cam on and now no one can sue me for this. Russia, so it comes around. They don't fuck around though. And also like, no. you know, there's no such thing as suing like a police officer in Moscow. <laughs> That's not happening, dude. No. You could like give him that, that lawsuit. He'll staple you that lawsuit to your neck if you bring it to a police officer. Oh yeah, if you're like, I want to sue like Lieutenant, yeah. Lieutenant Yvonne, yeah. Ivan, they'd yeah. be like, we don't have that guy there. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not here. Yeah. You're, you're dead. And keep coming around with that bullshit and see what happens to you, man. Mm -hmm. Is your beer fridge feeling a little empty? DoorDash is your door to beer without the run. Whatever drink you're in the mood for, they've got you. Order your alcohol with DoorDash today and drink in the savings. Use code BEARS24 to get 25% off, up to $15 value on a $35 minimum subtotal on your next alcohol order for eligible users only. I mean, there's like sometimes you just don't want to leave. That's me. Once we're at a spot and we're hanging out, I just don't want to leave. And now you don't have to. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. Beer, wine, mixers, mocktails, and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25%, up to $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code BEARS24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Um, I remember that uh, Clayton Peters, uh, Russell Peters' brother told me he was going to a TV pitch um, here a few years ago. Are you crying? Yeah, it was because I was laughing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was... <laughs> is Clayton still alive? He is, okay. yes. He, but uh, he slipped and he hurt his knee on a studio lot. And, um, you know, they, they tended to him and they're like, fuck. And they were like, you know, we're gonna, and they're like, I guess, you know, I don't know if we should just get right into like settlement talks and stuff. And he was like, what? And they go, well, you know, you slipped here on the lot. And he was like, I'm Canadian. And they were like, so he's like, I'll yeah, I'm just, not gonna... yeah, I'll just get a knee brace. Yeah. Like my knee hurts, but. I'm not suing you. Yeah, give and me an ice like, pack oh. and we'll be okay. Yeah, and that was it. And they were like, he said they were just like, you're not, are you seriously not going to sue us? <laughs> he was like, no. I was on the road once and it was, this is like, I was staying at this new hotel that was like next to the club or next to the theater or whatever. And I get in there and they're like, they're excited that I'm there. They're like, oh, you got to see all this. We want to give you a tour of everything. And I'm like, yeah, all right. And they're like, we've got a bar on the roof. It's like this amazing new bar. Everything's on us. Like, come here after the show. We're going to take care of you. And it had been raining outside. 
and they had like a smoking lounge. And then you'd like, you'd come out of the smoking lounge, take a step down and, and get back into the bar. And after, I'd like toward the end of the night, it's my last drink. I go out and have a cigarette. And I haven't, I haven't smoked in fucking five years. This was forever ago. And I take a step down and they hadn't, they hadn't, it was so new, they hadn't thought to put down like a mat, you know, when it was wet. And I step into like a puddle and my foot goes flying and I just eat it completely like flat on my back on the ground. Staff comes up, people stop mopping. Someone puts a mat down, but no one spoke to me the rest of the night. They were so scared that if they were like, how are you? I was going to be like, I'm going to oh, talk yeah. to a lawyer. They just like ignored me sure. until I left. Yeah. Which I, I was like, I'm not going to sue. I'm going to have some bruises tomorrow, but I blame yeah. myself more than anyone else. Of course. But, but yeah, they will avoid you. Dude, I slid down the stairs on St. Patty's. They had a bar in New York City. Like from that one of those, like the bathrooms downstairs, the whole flight. Like on your ass? The whole on way? my ass the whole way. And when I got to the bottom, I was like laid there for a second. And then I stood up and I leaned on the wall. And then like this guy walked by me. He's like, damn, that looked, shit looked like that hurt. And I was like, I got it. <laughs> and I mean, the, the bruise was like deep black, you know, like huge. But I mean, of course, it never occurred. I was like, I slept on my stupid ass, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to, hey guys, the floor's wet. It would have to be something malicious yeah. for me to sue. Like yeah. something, something really beyond the pale. But I, I couldn't imagine. But your own slipping and falling, it's, I mean. Never. People. Never. But people think like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They like, I mean, that's winning the lottery to them. Yeah. Remember that? There was like a, a picture that was on, went online where there was a Walmart where the W was like kind of like, was kind of like swinging, like it was like about to fall at some uh -uh. point. And there was some guy who would just stand underneath it all day and hope that it would fall and hit him on the head and he would get all this money from Walmart. This is so crazy that people, like, people ask me, they're like, oh, you know, you were able to monetize your injury. And I was like, yeah, because we did a live show after. And they're like, so that's pretty great. Huh? I'm like, yeah, no, you don't want that to happen. Yeah, man. you don't want the injury. Yeah, Once it like, happens, it's like, well, what, what am I going to, what am I going to talk about on my next podcast? Right. This, but you weren't like, oh, good. And, I, and, I, and people are like, oh, I would, I would do that for a check. And you're like, no, you wouldn't, man. No. It fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, to know what it was coming. About? Like, yeah. Yeah. No way, you're man. You're just going to talk about what happened to you that week. And that was what happened to you. But yeah. you're not, no part of you was like, thank God. Dude. I never would have come up with something. So cool like, how my tendon snapped. Yeah, yeah. And then my arm did too. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. It sucks. And I have one of the t-shirts. I have one of the shirts. You do? Yeah. What I, do have, have? I have the athletic one that I did not know what that meant when I bought it. I thought it was just a t-shirt. Oh, it's like the workout around. one? Yeah. So it's like, it's like shiny. I don't it's, know if I'll ever It's the Air Segura one? Yes. I'll send you some new ones. But it made me, it made me laugh. I was I'll, like, I've got to oh, have yeah. this. I'm going to send you a couple more. Okay. You give me your address. I'll give you a little injury bundle. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll okay. give you my address. You won't do that? I'll give you my address. Okay, okay. Yeah. See, the way you I've, said I've that, I was like, he's definitely not giving me his address. No. no. So I always think, like, because even from the early days, like when we would do those, those early shows, and you always had great, like just great jokes. It's, it's, it is like the early who we know now, like your comedy now, but like obviously like the early days of like surprise jokes, dark stuff, you know? And a lot of times, you know, we were doing like small shows, like bar shows, sometimes club shows. But I mean, you know, you mostly had, like mostly you'd have really good sets. I would definitely see you have sets where there's a lot of like oohs and ah, like the crowd, like, oh my, you know, mm -hmm. groans and stuff. I mean, now you do a show, like a, a big show, your fans are coming out to see you. But do you, you have to have some epic, this did not go well shows, right? Oh, 100%. Like, Especially at like a festival oh, yeah. or somewhere where like it's not necessarily for me. Yeah. A lot of these shows where I'm like one of many, you know, uh, yes. it's, it can be brutal. 
it can be brutal. Like back in the Chris D'Elia days at the comedy store, yeah. if Joe Rogan wasn't there to like balance out the audience uh -huh. and it was all D'Elia fans, uh -huh. he would go out and destroy before, just absolutely destroy. Yeah. And then I would walk out and they took every goddamn word literally. Yeah. And we're furious. Really? Just like, oh yeah, they would so get at like, the they would store. Get, you'd have these horrible bombs. Mm -hmm. Even at the OR? store. OR, main room. Really? It, I mean, it didn't matter. Belly room. I've eaten such shit in the belly room where I'm like, okay. But then I go to Largo, you know, once a month and it's my crowd. Yeah. And because I put in that work where like I'm eating shit in front of these people, like it just destroys. So I'm like, oh, I have to do that. It's not like all oh, these guys don't get it. It's like, this is just part of the process. But some people, I'm always shocked that some people just take me literally. I'll have like, I'll tell a joke and someone's like, are you serious? Like, I'll hear that from the audience. Yeah. It's like, of course not. Yeah. But I get, I kind of get it because some people just think comedians. And if somebody is like, are life. you serious? I, I'm assuming you're like, totally. A hundred percent serious. Yeah. Yes. But it just happened to be people laughing. You know, like yeah. I just, I don't normally perform at comedy clubs, but normally I, this is my Ted talk, but yeah, tonight yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed up here. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like following a murderer in one of those rooms, like, especially at the store. And you're like, I don't, like it's either going to be a wave you can ride or you're like that was for that person you know well, i'm so the opposite like nobody wants to follow sebastian at the comedy store right but it's like i stand very still and i'm like and i use my silences that going after sebastian is is kind of like a fun challenge for me yeah that i don't worry about it there's nobody that i really wouldn't want to follow unless they try to be just like me oh, i have to right. be careful picking openers on the road because it's always like the one open micer kid who's like his dream is to open for me. Like, I'm going to see him and be like, yes, that's what I do. Come open right. for me. But you're like, you're your the career. same thing. Yeah. It's like, I, don't, I never want to see that. Yeah. I'd rather see Nate Bargatze. I'd rather watch you. You know, there's like, there's like five guys whose specials I watch or I yeah. watch in the room. Yeah. Uh, and usually I just don't want anything to do with it. I've been doing yeah, this I, 20 years. I, I try to think in this way too about um, some bringing someone open for me where I go, I want that person to be a different pov than mine like mm -hmm. i don't want a 42 year old white guy with a beard opening for yeah. me who's married with kit like it's the same thing mm -hmm. like you know that's why i like to bring like women or it's like a, a single black guy or you know what i mean like a latina woman so it's like at least the pov that you're hearing is different than the one i'm about to do right after it yeah you know i want someone completely different from me and old enough that i don't hate them by the end of the weekend you know what yeah. i mean you've brought someone who's like cool but just too young yes we're like this is this isn't gonna work like yeah. i can't talk to you yeah yeah it's, i no, no, i don't have a problem with you but like in 20 years we, we can we can talk <laughs> yeah you like know. their their like life experience their energy is totally it's like foreign mm -hmm. right yeah. yeah if you're 22 if you're in your 20s even Unless you're like 29, I'll, maybe I'll give you a shot. Mm -hmm. But the 20s, I, I want nothing to do with it. Do you have a regular like circle of openers? I, every tour, I pick a new, a new circle. You uh, uh, but uh, you mix it up on the tour. Yeah. Like, it, basically, I'll have like an East Coast, a West Coast, and then someone when they can't, when they, they, the, neither one of those can do it. Yeah. I bring somebody. But then on the next tour, either they've become a headliners at that point, or I just want new people anyway. And it's getting harder, like the older that I get, I pay attention to less of like what's going on in the scene below me. Mm -hmm. So I really like have to, you know, take someone's advice on like, who's, who's the, who's the new person I should take out. And if I recognize the name, I'm like, okay, like we'll bring them out. Yeah. It's hard to stay like totally in touch with that. You know, like when you have things going on, you're like, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to watch the show anymore. Like yeah. I'm in the green room until it's my time to go up. And a lot of it's like, I don't want to see what comics are doing because I don't want things getting in my head. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of comics I won't watch until after I've done my special. Cause it's like, they've got a bit on abortion too. I don't want things to overlap. Yeah. But a lot of it's like, I just don't enjoy watching comedy the way I did in the beginning. We are like, yeah. gotta, oh, they've got a new joke. 
oh, Victor Fernando's got a new one. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I, get, <laughs> I, get, I get anxiety. I've always been like this too. Um, for, for the most part, watching sets even locally, like, you know, like watching the show, I, I just have a hard time standing in the room, mm -hmm. you know? Like I'll, I'll even like, let's say in the OR, like I'll stand that back, you know, like right by that where the stairs kind of go in and then I'll, and I'll watch. I can kind of stomach more an act that is a, such a departure from my, something yes. so foreign to me that I can, but like as, if it's somebody that like, I don't know, is in like my wheelhouse, I, I start pacing and I, I step out of the room. Yeah. And then I'm like, they're like, all right, they got like a minute left. I'm like, all right, now, now I can go back. I just remember like being in New York and doing the comedy cellar a lot. Like you had, there was the comics table upstairs. Mm -hmm. And then to go to the bathroom, you had to go down the stairs and walk through the showroom. Mm -hmm. And Colin was talking, giving me a compliment saying, I heard one of your jokes walking through because he's like, I don't want to watch somebody's stupid act. Right. And the way he said it, it was like, yes. Like, yeah. I just don't want to watch your act. Right. And I used to go down and watch David Tell. Mm -hmm. every time he performed and then i started doing his mannerisms mm -hmm. and i'm like i've got to stop this right now yeah. like part of it is you just don't want to pick up there do you remember um i dressed oh like him God. for a year a, a lot of people a lot of people do. I, I can show you a picture of me of like in a black jacket in a logo list hat and i'm like holding the mic like this and i'm like and you're like you like to tell i'm like a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. i mean it was like i thought that was that was like what you would do you know what i mean like i when i saw him and I go like, oh, this, this is what I should do. I didn't even think I was doing something wrong. Oh, yeah. I know? mean, if you had seen my first like six months of comedy before I got into like the shorter jokes and, mm -hmm. and some things that didn't have anything to do with my life, you would, have be, you would be blown away by the Dennis Leary influence. Oh, really? Like, it was a heavy, heavy Dennis Leary influence. I just thought that's what comedy was. Like I would be at open mics in LA where it's hot as hell mm -hmm. and I'm standing there with my leather jacket over my arm and then it's time to go on and I'm like, got to get the leather jacket and point at everybody. Like wow. I'm, I'm shocked if I ever see an old video. Dude, I, I have one that was just sent to me. Oh my God, it's so hard to watch. I mean, so hard to watch. And this is my, before my Atel phase was, is you're going to laugh, was my rock phase, my Chris Rock phase. <laughs> Swear to God. I would pace crouch i would hit punchlines like this with this hand i mean i didn't realize i I, re I see it now doing this thing yeah, I, I didn't realize it at the time that like he was definitely he was the guy right before i started mm -hmm. who i was like this is the best guy and then so when i started doing it, i'm like i'm just like mimicking who i think the best guy is you know and then yeah, it just it's it's so cringy. Like it's it's hard to watch. Man. Oh, I I toured with Chris Rock a couple of years ago. He was like, "Do, do you want to open for me?" It was like me, Michelle Wolf, and Jeff Ross on his European tour. Uh -huh. And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like arenas in Europe. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely in. I was like, "I'm gonna watch every set he does, and I'm gonna learn from the master." Mm -hmm. And after watching it twice, I was like. There's nothing I can fucking take from this guy. Yeah. You know what? It's like be more like a preacher. Like he's yeah. just so great at what he does. Yes. That I was more like, what do you do in the green room before? Like, yeah. oh, you've got like a vaporizer thing that just like they that uh you you have someone read through your notes from the night before. So you just like kind of half listening, you just kind of soak it up. Like that meant a lot to me. Yeah. But watching him on stage, I was like, you're too great yeah. to learn anything from. Yeah. I was so. I mean, I try to tell people now that, you know, you forget that these these time periods you know they just they just go away but i go you you don't understand when like bring the pain came out this was pre you know you're not streaming anything this is like so it's an hbo event where people were like this is the thing and they would do like four a year they would do like carlin chris uh robin williams and you know like one other 
like huge like that was a special it mm -hmm. wasn't like today and man i remember seeing that special and being like what in the fuck like i had never laughed so it was like so smart so on point like everything was just like right on the nose like and i just i mean i was blown away you know and then i just i yeah i just wanted to be that guy yeah. You know? I mean, that, that special, I think, was a turning point for a lot of comedians. Yeah. I just never seen someone take batting practice and knock every single pitch to the fucking moon. Like, yeah. it was every single thing killed. We're like, oh, this is. Did you watch the special about Bring the Pain? No, I don't think I did. There was like either AMC or A and E. It's a, in the past couple of years. It's really? definitely it's a doc about it. It's a doc, like an we hour doc about that. it. Yeah. Where he like he's watching clips of it and it's like how he got how he prepared for it. And the fact that he went to Washington DC to do it as opposed to somewhere else meant a lot where like every bit of it's amazing. And there's one point where they show him the like the famous I love black people, I hate the N-word. Yeah, yeah. And it's showing like Ava DuVernay being like, Why did he have to do this? Like I love the special, but why? And all these other people being like, Oh, I wish he hadn't. It gave white people permission to say mm -hmm. the word. Mm -hmm. And then Chris is like, I stand by it. It's funny as hell. Like, yeah. It's the best. It's it's so great to watch. I remember, I didn't see that, but I remember him talking about, because that bit became like such a, it's like a signature bit of the time, not even of the special, you know? Like, And he was saying how, um, he goes, I did that, that bit, I think close to the taping, I think, in Oakland. Yes. And he's like, it went really poorly because it was all N-words. Yeah. They were, they were like, we like <laughs> yeah. to tear up the yeah, club. Yeah, we like yeah. getting thrown out of the club. Like, why are you yeah. making fun of us? Yeah. We bought tickets. And then he goes, but I did it in, you know, DC and it just, yeah. I mean, that whole bit, the bit, the, the whole special, it was just genius, you know? So I think once I was like, yeah, I'm doing stand-up now, um, I was like, well, obviously, I, I mean, I don't even think I consciously was like, I will imitate him, but it just kind of- no. You well, know. your first year, you get a lot of great. You just like you just imitate what you you've seen work yeah. from other people. Whatever you get laughs for, you keep doing. By the end of that year, you better have your voice. Yeah, or you're in some trouble. Yeah, you know, dude, I was talking like him too. Talking like a towel? No, like him. Like oh, Rock. like Chris Rock? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did the the thing that really that I caught myself doing a towel was a towel would do this thing where he would try out a new joke. And by watching him every night, you knew it was new and it wasn't. He would try a new joke that wouldn't get a good response. And he'd be like, yeah, all right. And then he'd tell an old joke that would always kill. And the audience would go nuts. And he'd go, <laughs> And I just that's so funny to do. Yeah. That you're like mad at the audience for laughing at like an older joke. Then I did that once. And I was like, I've got to cut it out. Like, oh, I, I can see. never yeah, watch yeah. this again. It's I remember. A fun mannerism. I did a six, like a six show weekend with him in Brea. And it was one of those things where like Thursday night, he had this one joke where the punchline like killed right friday I, I, and i like the joke oh, i love that joke so i'm sitting there just watching him on friday early show he gets the same joke changes the punchline to something that doesn't work as well late show a third punchline saturday a different i was like he just was trying things every show he's always cycling through i was i watched him. i was like why would you stop doing the one he's like oh, i don't know i'm just trying to get a better one i was like yeah I couldn't imagine it, but I mean, David tells like the most pure comic yeah. ever. I can't think of anybody. Uh, they're like, n not that he's the greatest, but when you think of like a stand-up comic and like what you have to do yeah. to keep it going, it'll be a sad day when that guy retires. Yeah. And like also just to be, um, the way that he stays, I don't know what you want to say, motivated or just like driven to keep, you know what I mean? To keep working. Mm -hmm. Cause I would think at a certain point you're like, I'm not going to work 
you know, but he like works at it. He likes to work. I mean, he doesn't want to do a special. He doesn't want to do an album. He wants to keep working with the same stuff and keep and like and molding it and perfecting it. And he like I think you know doing the actual show, being in that moment, is what his goal is. Yeah. And so he gets to do that a couple times a night. Whereas me, I'm like, can't wait to fu-. like every time I leave a city, I'm like, I'm never coming back here again. No matter whether it's great or not, it's like I'm just building to the special, and then it's like I never have to do it again. Then you start from scratch at the, at the yeah, end. Yeah, because I think we're on this like we have the same like you know we we're we landed in this time where that's how you work right like you in a way that you have the option to yes you almost need to turn it over i always like just think i want to write as many jokes as i can in my lifetime you know that like the the sooner i put out a special the sooner i have to do it Mm -hmm. what i love about you and like i think nate does this too is like you'll be like the specials coming out on august 13th tour date start august 14th for like the new thing that Mm -hmm. i'm like oh that is just fucking printing money because it's like i do a special and everyone's like oh we love this special you're not going to see me on the road for years Uh because i've got to build everything up but to have people be like we love this we get to go see him right now yeah is amazing well i i mean i i remember we talked about it one time you were like yeah your like your story about going to the zoo uh would be the equivalent of me writing like 60 jokes you know Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh yeah because i like just I have jokes in this story, but it fills up 10 minutes. You yeah. Know? I mean, I'm jealous. I'm legitimately jealous of how low your bar is. Yeah. It's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, it's just like, I talked to my dad today. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to work in like a story yeah. and the audience is like, yeah. Wait, yeah, yeah. Waiting for the twist. And yeah. I'm like, this is just a story. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. But even if it's funny, yeah. we need that. We need the twist. Well, I'll write a joke and I'll just be like, I wrote a joke. <laughs> and then I, I'll do it and I'll be like, that's what you get for this hour. And then I go back to what, I, what else I'm doing. I, yeah. just, I mean, I don't know. Like you guys, I was always blown away by it. Like by like pure joke writing, you know? And like, I always had, I remember I was trying to do stories before I, had the skill because you realize it takes a skill set to do them well not just a skill set but experience a 22 year old telling stories is a lot fucking different than a 42 year old telling stories and I and I didn't I mean at the time you don't know it and I'm like I remember just trying to thinking that this story was funny and like trying to and having it just absolutely eat shit but then like 10 years later remembering the story Mm -hmm. telling it and being able to make it work yeah you know but I the only thing worse than that would be like political comedians when you're in your 20s and you're like, oh, yeah. you're like why? Yeah, why are yeah. you trying to yeah. tell anyone how to vote? Uh, it's, it's so it's insane. so funny. Yeah, I mean, I'm, most comedians I know, they're like, I don't even respect uh, a com- someone who's a comedian in their 20s. <laughs> like, it's like shit like that. No. They're like, I don't hear anything you have to say. No. Nothing. That's why I went to jokes because I was like, I'm sick of eating shit with my stories yeah. that no one cares about. Like, but if I can do jokes, like maybe I'm from another planet. And, and didn't you, you write, like when again. you were writing for television, like the late night guys, you're just like writing like dozens of jokes a day, right? Just oh, like- I, was, I was writing like 75, 80. And I was, it was different because I started on the show. It was me and one other guy. What? 75, 80 jokes? And we didn't know what he, like he didn't have a voice yet. So we didn't know what he was going to like day to day. He wasn't like, oh, he loves this topic. This is Fallon? Yeah, this is Fallon. It wasn't like he was like, oh, Fallon's going to win another Octomom joke. He would be like psyched about one one day and not want to hear it the next. Things get old, got old quickly. So we're just like firing them out. Instead of writing your best 10 and giving those in, mm-hmm. you just have to give him 80 and be like, maybe he'll like something from this, but they wanted numbers. Jesus. So it was How many of you are like 80 do you feel like these, these are like solid, like really solid? I'd have maybe five that I would be like, if this got in the show, I'd be happy. Yeah. I remember one time I wrote on a pilot for uh, Jonah Ray. Mm-hmm. 
video game one? Yeah, the video game the one. We heard himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Kumail and I were writers on it, along with a couple other like writer producer guys. And uh, I had this joke. I forget. I forget the details of the joke, but it's like it's in the script. It's gonna be and. Um, I'm, I'm like pulled Jonah aside. I don't know why. And I'm like, Hey, you know, the whole thing is man, like, don't like, if you don't like any of these, like, don't, don't say a joke. You don't want to say, he's like, I don't want to say that one. And it was mine. I was like, you give it a shot, man. Just like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, just see if you like it. And he yeah. was like, I just said, I don't want to do it. I'm like, yeah, but I think we should leave it in. And I didn't tell him it was mine. <laughs> That's better though. I had a guy once come into me on a show. It was like the burn or something like, like a Jeff Ross uh -huh. roasting show. And he, they're like, why don't you want to do the writer comes he's like hey why didn't you want to do this uh this one joke like because i'm like i usually come in with my stuff yeah you know whenever i do like a talking head thing they're like so we're gonna ask you questions i'm like no no no, no. let me cut you off i've written down jokes for all your questions just let me just say them and if you want to like ask it again you can but like i've i do my thing you know and uh and the guy's like why didn't you want to do this one i was like oh i just didn't like the joke i didn't and then i halfway through i'm like why and he goes i wrote it i'm like don't do that to me don't come in and ask like why I didn't like the joke when yeah. I clearly said no. Yeah, yeah, you don't need the reasoning. Yeah, but yeah, I did another one where a different Comedy Central pilot where I wrote on where the head writer. I mean, I'm like total newbie. I don't know what I'm. You know, like how writing staff job. None of it works. He's like he gives me these note cards and he's like, you know, here's like five jokes of like for each topic, and there's like five topics. So he's like, just pull out like. He's like, pull good ones for each of these topics. So like I pulled for the five topics and it's all the different writer's jokes, like four of the, of the five, I pulled mine out. And then he was like, are these all yours? And I was like, <laughs> he was like, no man, we gotta, we gotta mix it up. I was like, I don't know. It reminds me, when I was a kid, I'm the oldest of five kids. Mm -hmm. It was like five kids Damn. in seven years. And uh, we, we went to Montessori school. We all go to Montessori school. And this is like the year after I've left. Like I've got three sisters in the school at, the, at one point. And they're doing like an end of the year presentation. And my dad liked to, was like an amateur photographer. And they were like, Tony, uh, Tony Justin, like, would you do like the slideshow of all of the, of all the kids? And they gave them all these pictures to do a slideshow. And then they're sitting there and they're watching it. And it's like a picture of my sisters playing. And they're like, oh. It's like another picture of like one of my other sisters. And everyone's like, oh. Like the first 20 slides. Are just, just his, his family. kids just his family he was like well those are the best pictures and everyone was mad yeah of course like everyone was mad. the best pictures of your family dude. yeah like what how did you not think this would look bad i don't know this about you so that's what i wanted to ask this is like the the time where there's just like so much uh heat behind conspiracy theories like it used to be like fringe mm -hmm. like when we were kids You'd hear about somebody saying something like, you know, the moon landing, and you're like, what? And then now it's like because of social media, because internet voices are louder, you're able to like round up more people about it. What are you a conspiracy theory guy or no? I think it's the dumbest shit in the world. Okay. I think it's the dumb when people are like, do your own research. Like there are people that do the research, like yeah. who've dedicated their lives yeah. to doing the research. I believe them. Like, yeah. I believe science. I believe the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. And I think these people are all nuts. The fact that, like, the flat earth is becoming a thing again is completely insane to me. And they all sound like that. Have you ever seen, uh, there, there on, there's, there's clips on YouTube of uh, flat earthers conducting, like, a real scientific experiment. And, and then the experiment reveals that it's not flat. And they're yeah. like, the fuck, man. And we they're messed like, it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
they're blown. There's multiple clips like that. They yeah. have like millions of views and you see them. They're like, I don't know, man, it looks like it's not flat. <laughs> they're like super upset. Yeah. They're like committed themselves to this. I don't know what they get out of it. Even like the moon landing. I don't know what you get out of believing that it didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, people talk about like the frame rates and it looks like there's wires there. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the funny thing about like something like that, you go, do you realize the level like the level of communication and agreement that it would take amongst this many people to keep that secret going. You would have to kill every single person who was in the room to keep that a secret. How like many people were there? The government fucks up so much stuff. The idea they could pull that off is... You can't get four people to agree on an appetizer. You mm-hmm. think that fucking... 300 people in a space are like, oh, we're all, we're all going to yeah. be quiet about no it. No one's going to want credit for yeah. filming the moon landing for, for faking that at some point. It's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's because yeah, I'm basically like, I hear most of them and I just nod. I'm like, that's nice. Like when somebody shares their, but I just don't, I don't really engage it. I just kind of go like, I can't believe you think this. It's so dumb to me that I can't, if I even yeah. tried to respond, but, it, uh, but I just don't hang out with people who yeah. are like that. And yeah. I just, it, 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 it boggles the mind that you would not listen to scientists. I remember like a political cartoon being like, someone's, it's like they're on an airplane and they're like, I'm sick of these pilots who think they can do everything. Who says I should fly the plane? It's like, that's what you sound like to me. Yeah. Like these people train their whole lives to do this. I hated science as yeah. a kid. I hated math. So people who like didn't and were good at it, I believe them when they yeah. tell me things. Do your own research is so stupid. It's all that, that QAnon shit. Yeah. Did you look into it, man? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you look at these videos, like watch this video I sent you and you'll realize that Fauci's full of shit. You're like, yeah. the, the guy has been doing science for like 70 years. Yeah, I, be- yeah. I believe him. Yeah. yeah. Or, or when people go like, you know, somebody like Fauci got something wrong. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that happens too. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, human beings. And he admits and, like, yeah, that was, at the time yeah. I thought I was right. And now the data changes. So like science can evolve. Like, okay. We didn't know we were dealing with. Yeah, that's fine. That, that seems reasonable to me totally you know yeah i I, they i despise them all yeah i mean the the it's like such a loud so it's such a loud voice now it used to be like you know clearly somebody just walking in circles at a bus stop you're like Mm -hmm. that's a conspiracy theorist you know and it's like you got to respect my opinion it's like that's not your opinion you're totally wrong yeah you're totally wrong yeah, I don't have to respect that. Yeah, like you respect my religion. Like I'll, I'll respect your religious beliefs, but so, I'm not going to be like, oh yes, of course, like this on the third day. Like yeah. I, I can't do that. Yeah, you hear that, Nadav? <laughs> that was for you. Can people, like people listening to the podcast can hear them laughing? Yeah, yeah. Do so they people, get paid by how loud they are? No, no, no. No, they just... They just, some people love it some don't yeah. <laughs> i can believe that um so one thing i learned about you just before we rolled today i cannot believe that you were in a fraternity i was in a fraternity yeah i just yeah. Uh, it doesn't add up to me like bert kreischer i'm like yeah but I get the, it. we went to very different schools like florida state fraternity is way different than a tulane university really? fraternity like there were only like eight at the time i think there's like five now i mean at tulane a, yeah they kept getting kicked off because you're in New Orleans. You don't need a fraternity. Yeah, that's true. Like you just went to bars all the time. Even in a fraternity, we went to bars all the time. But like my my freshman year, my uh, first semester freshman year, 
I, I, I had friends who on the, we lived on like a co-ed floor. Mm-hmm. We all became good friends. And two of my friends were like very gregarious and would go out and meet people. And they got like early bids into a fraternity, this fraternity called ATL. And they're like, yeah, these guys are like the crazy ones. They're like not like, they don't do like the normal like formals and stuff. They're just like the idiots, like Animal House. And that rang a bell in my head. I was like, I loved Animal House. So one night, me and my, one of my other friends drank like an entire bottle of whiskey like pre-gaming and then could not go out. We like couldn't walk. So our friends just took us down the street and just opened up the fraternity house. They had the code because they'd already been let in and just threw us on the couches. And we pass out for hours. We wake up, don't know where we are, destroy the house. Flip couches, tearing things off the wall, throwing things everywhere. And then we went back to sleep. So the fraternity guys come home at like three in the morning and they're like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they loved it. They and loved so for the night, they're like, you guys are awesome. Like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> and they, we spent the night breaking into other fraternity houses, like tearing shit up. And then they just loved us for the rest of the year. And then like in the next semester when it was supposed to be like, that's when you actually rush and do everything. Yeah. My grades were so bad. My parents were like, you were not going into fraternity. So I had to like like sneak under the radar and do it. And I hated pledging so much. Yeah. Being a pledge. And like all these guys being mean to me. And at the end they're like, we're brothers now. And I'm like, I hate you all. Yeah. And so for like the next three years, I never paid dues. I never came around. Like I lived next door to the frat house my senior year and never was there. So you didn't really participate? No. I, but my, my best friend to this day, who I have like a podcast with, was in that. Like I wouldn't have met him if not for that fraternity. But okay. we both knew that this was not for us and just kind of went along with it. But at Tulane, being in a fraternity meant nothing because you just, again, you went out to bars and, and drank wherever. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I remember I had my like reservations about it. You know, I went to a really small school and I was like, man, I don't think I should. And then uh, a couple, I forget what it is, the couple of fraternities offered me, you know, or whatever it is to-, to A bid, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and it was like in the mailbox at the, you know, student center. I didn't do it, but um, I remember this is felt frat like that on the freshman hall, there was a real fucking lunatic in one of the dorms, and he had a very passive roommate. And he, this dude was a fucking real crazy person. So you would hear death metal, like loud as fuck, coming out of this room. And you go down there, and you're like, hey, what's up? And it's like, it could be like 11 o'clock at night, and it's full blast. And you're like, What's going on? And his roommate is sleeping. And I'm like, how is he asleep? I mean, full blast. And he was like, it's my fucking room, you know? And I was like, Whew. he goes, you want to see some shit? And I'm like, yeah, okay. He goes, check this out. And he put on brass knuckles. I swear to God. And he goes, watch this. And full over the top punches that dude in the ass cheek. And you just... <laughs> You just see a guy who's completely, you just go, like he would wake up. And I would sit there and laugh so hard, but I'd be like, you're a fucking monster, man. Oh, He would do, he would do shit like that felt like a fraternity. He would do horribly abusive shit to him. My freshman year, I'm like, I'm so excited to go to Tulane. I'm so excited. I had never seen New Orleans before I went down for my first day of school. Yeah. But I'm so pumped. And I get there, and my roommate is a uh, Navy ROTC kid. He's got the, the shaved head. His room is immaculate. He's shining his shoes all the time. He wakes up at 5 in the morning every day, goes to bed at like 11. And I was a nightmare. 
I was like a total nightmare to, to be a roommate with because I was going out drinking all night, coming home at six in the morning, like just like snoring all day. My room was, inside the room was trashed, never did laundry. And I found out later on that when you fill out your roommate forms, mm-hmm. and you're like, what kind of person are you? Like on a scale of one to 10, are you messy or clean? I put like, I was honest about who I was. I'm a future comedian. This is how I act. You really did? Yeah. And my dad, before he mailed it in, looked at it and was like, not my son. And made everything like a one, which is how I got signed up with a Rotsy kid. Uh-huh. And after I found out years later and I was like, dad, you ruined his life. Yeah. Like I still just did whatever I was going to do. Right. But that kid, I mean, he could have made friends and like had a real social life at school. Yeah. Like you, you were awful to both of us. That's yeah. That, I mean, having somebody set you up with the wrong roommate is a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, I, I had like a real weird, like rich kid freshman year, um, who would spend, he, he, he saw like how I lived and he was like, I don't want to really spend a lot of time in here. Yeah. <laughs> he would, he would leave for long weekends, which was great. And then I, we had bunk beds in the freshman dorms and I would let people sleep in his bed, which is so disrespectful. And then he would get back and he would be like, did, uh, did someone sleep in my bed? And I'd be like, no. He's like, there's long black hairs in my bed. And I was like, I don't know, man. The housekeeper, probably. <laughs> yeah. I used to put on my roommate's Navy uniform and walk around when he was out of town for the weekend. Really? And someone's like, you will get arrested. You will get thrown into jail for wearing a Navy, like a Navy uniform that's not yours. Do not do that. And I was like, okay. All right. Thanks for letting me know. And you'd wear that around town? I would just wear it around campus, like thinking it was funny. Holy Thank shit. Thank God. Like if any of the Navy kids saw me, they would just beat the shit out of me on the spot. But really? I just... I would just like wear it around the quad thinking it was like, hey, check it out. Is it like like the, the whites or? It, it was like a navy blue, you know, over, but it was clearly a navy uniform. How did yeah. you get it? It was in my roommates. My roommate oh, was navy he was, Rotsy. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and then you guys are, are you guys, is this the one you're friends with now or no? No, no. no. After freshman year, he was like, do you want to live together again? I was like, you're out of your mind. I'm, go- I'm going off and getting a house. And like, I've lived with that guy. That guy's my best friend now. Okay. We've lived, uh, we lived together in like five different places. Oh, wow. For, Is he the one you podcast with? Mm-hmm. What's yeah. the podcast again? It's called JRVP, the Jesselnick and Rosenthal Vanity Project. It's uh, Greg Rosenthal was my be- is my best friend. I'm godfather to, to Like imagine the person who would make me godfather to their kids. Mm. Like how, how trusting you'd have to be. Very. And he's an analyst for the NFL Network. So he has like his own podcast. He does his own thing. And we were like. He's an actual analyst for them? Yeah. He's like on TV and stuff and writes for them. And at the time, uh, I was like, let's do something together. So we would go, we would like sneak into the NFL. He'd sneak me into the NFL and we would do an NFL podcast, like talking about off the field issues. And like every week his boss would be like, you could get fired for this. Like Anthony's going to be fine, but you could get fired. But we were having too much fun. Yeah. So at the end of like 16 weeks, they were like, okay, that's the end of season one. And then like, get the fuck out of here. And we ended up bringing it back. And um, you would do it at NFL Network or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, like, I'm kind of fascinated by this. How, how did he develop the knowledge to be an analyst? You know what I mean? Like, did he play football? Did no. he? No. If you, I mean, he doesn't look anything like a football player. I don't think he ever played at any level. But he obviously, so he likes the game. But then don't you have to, like, if you're not working in coaching or as a player, no, how do he you learn? Loved, the, he was a smart guy. loved sports writing. I mean, we lived together. We moved to L.A. together. And he was working at a production company and hated it. And really wanted to, was like, I want to be a sports writer. And got in work, started working at Fox, uh, would like go in on Sundays and watch all the games and like help other other people who were analysts, like yeah. give them uh, stats and stuff. And then just kept writing and kept writing. Ended 
up working for Roto World. Remember Roto World? Yeah. It was like the first fantasy sports thing before fantasy sports exploded. Roto World got bought by NBC. And at this point, he's gravitating towards football more than anything else. I mean, because fantasy was so big. Fantasy is huge. But he Do you was, play fantasy? No. I'm, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so I can't even imagine rooting for another player on another team. I just and, never got it. I, I love football. Yeah. You know, I've played from fourth grade through high school. And like, I just thought that football was the only thing I need. Like, you know what I mean? Entertainment wise, playing wise, I just football, football, football. And people would get so excited when fantasy stuff started. And I was just like, all right, yeah, it just doesn't do anything for it. I don't know what to tell you. No. I love watching the games. Yeah. But I don't gamble. I don't, uh, I don't play fantasy, but I love watching. Like the idea of like my team winning, the Steelers winning, but I lost the bet because they didn't cover is I can't have that. Yeah. Like that's infuriating to me. But yeah, he just eventually worked his way up from NBC Sports to, he was like the guy t- telling Chris Collinsworth what to say. Jesus. You know, at one point. And then he went to the NFL and he's been there ever since. So he, but like he has a deep knowledge. Because like some of those guys, I'm like, how the fuck do you even know this? Without like, if you're not like a John Gruden type where you can like, you know, you ever seen him break down film? You're like, oh my God. Like it's yeah. so, it's so intricate. And like, if you're not that type or have access to like a job like that, being like a, a GA or, you know, something like you're an assistant to somebody. I don't even know how they, how they, cause it's amazing when you see it done in real time, you're watching a game and immediately the breakdown yeah. happens. For but like those guys get it wrong. They're like, this guy got beat. It's like, that's not his job. Yeah. Yeah. His job was to cover short. This guy got beat back. Like this guy was out of position. Yeah. Like so on, I think they said like, an, someone said in football on every single play, someone messes up. Right. You know, somebody fucks up their assignment or doesn't right. shouldn't do. Which is why do why your job work. is such a big thing, you know? Exactly. Like, like, but it, I can't tell you who's doing what. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, the thing that I love about a great, like, analyst in a game, when you're watching, like, Collinsworth, like, when you see the play, you just see, like, the sack and you're like, oh, he got him. But, like, when he immediately tells you how the, how, protection broke down oh when tony romo like, tells like, you what's oh. gonna happen oh yeah, it's and it does it's the best it's yeah. amazing yeah. he's like this is gonna be there this is gonna be a screen right here to the right and mm-hmm. you're like what and then it happens he's like yeah i know because he watched film all week and mm-hmm. he has you know thousands of hours of playing in his head but yeah i love that man yeah me too because i feel like it's i feel like it's it's something where I already love the game and you're making, you're highlighting something to me that makes me go like, oh, even there's more there. You know, mm-hmm. I can learn more. I thought you think you know the game and then you're like, I don't know shit. Yeah. Talk to a pro and they explain oh, it's a different to you like, oh. It's a different language. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to some pro guys about like little things and, and I go like, yeah, dude, in 30 years, I've never, that never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never occurred to me. I love it though. I could watch... I could I could sit on a, a film session, I feel like, and just eat it up. I don't know. I don't know if I'd get too bored. Really? Like, I love watching the games, but it's like, part of it's the way they're shot. I mean, the way, I mean, the that camera's going, but it's like, if you just set a camera up, like, wide angle, and it's like, like let's practice watch this session. over and over again, yeah. yeah, I would lose it. Yeah, I just feel like if, if it made me feel like I now have a higher understanding of what's going on, I feel like I could get into it. Mm-hmm. I mean... That dude, like now he's coaching again, but they said that like when Gruden retired from coaching initially, he set up uh, uh, a room like a, at an office. He got an office in Tampa that's just full of game tape, like full of tape. And he would just go there every day and break down film for himself. It's insane. Like, coaches love to break down tape. Like, yeah. I mean, there was like a guy, it was like a, co- a coach of some like SEC school. And there was like a hurricane coming. 
And they're like, you got to like, you've got to batten down the hatches and wait. And he was like, told his wife, I'm going to go into the film office and throughout the hurricane, I'm going to watch film. And the wife was like, you're staying here with your fucking family, asshole. You're not going anywhere. And it's like, all these coaches just want to break down tape 24 seven. The idea of being uh, a coach that gets four hours of sleep a week and is breaking down tape the rest of it sounds like a miserable life. Yeah. And I, you know, I love college ball and the, uh, the thing about you, you have like a, you know, a fantasy, right? In your head of like, oh, I love, I, I wish I could work in this field. You know, like, like it's a momentary kind of passing fantasy. But every, then you're like, every young man wants to work in sports in some capacity yeah, at some time. But the reality of a high level college coach's life, you're like, fuck that. Yeah. Where they are, they're at the, you know, they're there at like 5.30 or 6 and then it's film and it's coaching and conditioning and then they get in their car and then they got to go recruit players and it, it never ends. Oh, yeah. You know, massaging boosters, you know, yeah. not even the guys who are paying you under the table, the people who are like, we'll get you fired if we don't like what you do at this dinner. Yeah. You know, that seems, it seems like a nightmare. Yeah. And then you have to have that, um, that weekly, you know, like kind of junket with those people and then you have to do your radio show and you ha and you have to sit there with some dipshit who's asking you about the play calling last week when you guys lost yeah every week i mean the only coach the only like college coach that i've ever envied that i've been like that guy had a great life sandusky you know jerry sandusky i think just knew like he didn't to take it too seriously yeah you know what i mean yeah. like you know it's not all business you can have some pleasure in there but other than that, <laughs> other than that. Oh, man oh, we were all waiting for that weren't we <laughs> So what, <laughs> fuck. Uh, Steelers this year, you think good things, bad things? I have no idea, man. I really have, I'm glad Ben's back, but it could be a disaster. I mean, every team now is like our injury age? away. So he's, like, he's 38, I think. It's wild when you go, when you think about the fact that like with Brady, you're like, so my entire like working life, when I had like bullshit jobs and restaurants and then post-production and then I was, a, I was an open micer and a, that whole time until today, he's been in the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Well, there's a point when you're a kid, there's always that thing in the back of your head that like, he's older. You know, yeah. this guy who just jumped over three yes. dudes, like he's older than me, but maybe one day, yeah, you yeah. know, I could still be in the NBA if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. But now, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see these players. Like who was he just retired? Uh, the kicker. Um, Vinatieri. Yeah. Vinatieri was 48 fuck yeah i mean that's that's insane to me um but i mean the steelers it's like it, it, one injury away i thought they were going to be amazing last year and then the defense fell apart ben fell apart i think ben's going to have a better elbow this year than he did last year are you year. a guy that do you go to pittsburgh and go to games and everything you do that? I, like i like get to pittsburgh a couple times a year and i would only get there for like the christmas game which is like a game it's like week 17 nothing's on the line it's a night game against Carolina and it's just freezing as cold. I, football, I would much rather watch indoors. Me too. But I see a hockey game anytime I'm in Pittsburgh. Go see a baseball game anytime I'm in Pittsburgh because those are better live, yeah. especially at those, uh, those, that arena, that, that stadium. But football, I hate watching it uh, live. I hate it. I, I'm kind of the same way. Like we're, I've been to a number of games live and I just go as much as this is definitely my favorite sport, I'd rather be on a couch and, you know, just... I honestly just enjoying it more seeing yeah. the game more you can see everything you have no idea yeah. what's happening nba is fun life i don't know if you've gone to nba games i, I have like... a little bit but i'm not that big a uh, basketball guy so yeah it's not as fun i've taken like my god kids to a game and that was fun to kind of see them people treat you much differently at a game when you show up with little kids than when you then when you're there like two dudes like drinking beers yeah uh, that i i enjoyed that experience but hockey i love live 
Hockey yeah. live is the best of all the the live sports. I've been to a few. I've been to a couple Kings games, mm-hmm. and then like years ago when I was a kid, I went to. They were called the Minnesota North Stars before mm-hmm. they moved. But um, yeah, the the games are. It's an intense fun atmosphere it's just so fast you can see everything on tv you're just like hoping your guy comes from the other side of the screen to the puck like right. you really are just hoping you have no idea yeah but watching it live is is really fun. and those dudes are savages man hockey players are fucking out of their minds yeah doing that shit on fucking skates slamming into people with that speed what are you doing like 60 miles an hour you're hitting that guy oh, and they all like smoke cigarettes and get wasted after every yeah. game like they don't yeah. care at missing all. teeth and their mm-hmm. faces are cut up and they're like yeah fuck yeah. yeah they love that's, it that's a little different than you know people who flop i mean listen to, <laughs> listen to like a hockey interview versus like an interview in any other sport hockey yeah. guys are all it could be the same guy given every interview they, they have no ego whatsoever they don't say anything that will be inflammatory yeah they're the, completely the opposite they're very humble the opposite of every other sport yeah that's true they, i think they really self-police the game yeah i think you're right I, i've never really thought about that but it must be part of like the the coaching like the upbringing getting into that sport of mm-hmm. like being humble like truly and a team player and you ain't shit and yeah and also it's a, a humbling game yes you know, like yeah. just the fact that there's sticks and ice and this fucking puck flying around at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Like if that's a humbling environment to be well, in. Like, in football, it's like the, the guys talking about shit, but like, yeah, he's the wide receiver. They get to do that. Yeah, they you know, do We that. let them do that. The yeah. quarterback can't get away with it, but the wide receiver can. In hockey, there's no wide receivers. No. Everyone's, everyone's dealing with it. And if you do get out of line, they'll let you know on the ice. Yeah. The, it's funny because the NFL definitely has like, there's diva positions, mm-hmm. you know, wide receiver, DBs. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like the fucking, I like, I laugh so hard at Jalen Ramsey, like post game interviews. They're hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, there's nobody like sassing people. And then be like to the, to the, to the reporters. He's like, did he? <laughs> yeah. Did he? Like doing all this shit where you're like, it's, it is entertainment. Like I'm, people are like, oh, it pisses me off. I'm like, I fucking find it entertaining. Dude. Anytime it makes someone mad, I'm like, you're racist. Yeah. You're, if this makes you mad, if Richard Sherman looking right into the camera and screaming at the top of his lungs, yeah. it makes you mad, then you are racist because that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. You just don't like black people that are all sassy and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Black people that talk shit upset you, eh, you might want to look in, in, inside yeah. for a moment. If you do a touchdown dance and someone screams, act like you've been there before, oh, yeah. you are racist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, you've never scored a touchdown. <laughs> never. Yeah. Never. If I can't, I used to think like my senior year, I almost played high school ball mm-hmm. just to be on like special teams. Like, and I'm Western Pennsylvania where it was like, yeah. it was the shit. And I could not play football at all, but I was like, special teams would be fun. And they were like, they'd get kicked off the team immediately. You would like have one hand on a tackle, rip your helmet off and be running around like, like dancing in circles for 10 minutes. Like, yeah, yeah I would go crazy Did if you I do ever it? scored a touchdown. No, no. no. I never scored a touchdown. What'd you play? I played D tackle. I played linebacker when I was younger. I played defensive tackle in high school. I played on the O line too. I had like sacks, you know, fumble, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. I had an interception before. All things like I have a I had a sack where I definitely did a ridiculous, uh, you know, sort of whatever celebration afterward. Yeah, but it's like it's yeah. in the moment, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, how is it? How are you not excited? I can't imagine if you score a touchdown, especially at that level. Oh, yeah. And there's fucking 100,000 people there. What? You're going to be like, here you go, sir. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm going to sit here and pray. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm man. Gonna, I'm going to do a little dance. Do a dance. Yeah. I want to dance. I mean, I find it boring to hand it to the ref, you know? I, I would be mad if I didn't get a penalty afterwards. Are you going on tour? No. 
I've got like, I'm, it's going to be at least a year before I can get back on the road. Seriously? Yeah. That's the and I just need to get the material and I'm getting up almost every night, but it's, I mean, it's, it's incremental. It's slowly but surely uh, that hopefully one, hopefully in a year I'll have 45, 50, I can go to clubs and then build that from 45 to 50 to an hour and then theaters. But wow. I can't wait to get back out. It's, I know, dude. Do you, like, you feel it now, right? That things are opening up. Like it's, it's really happening. Yeah, yeah. Although it does kind of feel like to me it's only happening here. I meaning in the United States. Like every time I look at like world news, I'm oh, like, yeah. um, I would I wouldn't be booking those European shows just yet. No, but, but like, uh, and I think it's going to get bad again. You do? Yes. I think there'll be some sort of backslide. I don't know if it'll be as bad as it was. <sighs> yeah. But too many people are being too cavalier that uh, that I, I just don't know. And luckily, like my circle, my social circle is very small. Like you're one of like I don't talk to that many people. Even when I go out and do shows, I'm kind of like off on my own. Yeah. That I don't worry about myself so much. But I can just see. I mean, the fact that California is like so excited right now for how far we've come i'm like it could dip real quick yeah and then like things are like open open now mm-hmm. like, i think today's the first day like you don't have to wear a mask at the gym which is yeah. a big a big thing yeah there was like all over the new like they're like california is open again but this state's too crazy for shit to just function the way it should you know we have 40 million people yeah but it's like it's some of the states in the south that just never believed it ever that are yeah. still have like that are still in in the middle of a of a, an outbreak that i think those guys like michigan i worry about you know just places that never took it seriously and aren't going to that the yeah, one variant comes along and just knocks everyone on their ass yeah yeah it's a really fun time we're living in man mm-hmm. 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 really exciting yeah jrvp available which day does it come out uh it comes out tuesdays tuesday nights tuesdays it's audio only mm-hmm. will you add video at some point I, if i had something like this i would love to but i want it to look good you know even when we did we did a one like a live stream buy tickets and since the, my you know my friend and my producer do stuff for the nfl they had like a, the the o-ring setup they looked great i look like complete shit like my lighting is terrible. I don't have a good background. We can get you some of that stuff though. And I was like, maybe when you guys abandon this for Austin, then I can I can take it over. All right, I'll see you in uh, September. Seems like seems like a lot of work. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's always good to see you, man. Always thank, a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, uh, you guys check out JRVP every Tuesday, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bert and Tom, Tom and Bert. One goes topless while the other wears a shirt. Tom tells stories and Bert's the machine. There's not a chance in hell that they'll keep it clean. Here's what we call Two Bears, One Cave. No scripts, a bit of booze, amateur partology. Dirty jokes, raunchy humor, no apologies. Here's what we call Two Bears, One Cave. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because... I always wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it an incredible, fast, and easy way to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. You can shop by price, like if you want to find a gift that's $25 and under, or you can bump your budget filter up to $100 if she really deserves a good gift. You can also filter by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Macy's also offers gift lists, like for moms who have everything, gifts, that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. Some of the top gifts are Beats headphones, the Studio Pro models, digital photo frames, Polaroid cameras, or the Samsung Smart TV, the frame. 
Let me tell you something. This makes shopping so much easier. I get panic when I shop. I talked about it with Tom. I only shop for myself. So shopping for other people is really difficult, especially for my mom and Leanne, both mothers. But this is making it a no-brainer. So go to Macy's.com slash gift finder to find the perfect gift for this Mother's Day. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder.